Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast on this Friday. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby just returned from a skiing trip, so his, his body clocks off, kind of like Stanford's was back in the day. Uh, Colby, welcome, and uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, I uh, man, I had a blast, but I kind of feel like I got hit by a truck right now. Got a little, little bit of whiplash from some spills on the mountain. Got in about five o'clock this morning from Colorado, but I feel good. It's Friday. We got a little OSU football and basketball on the horizon. So all in all, I feel good. Yeah, no, I mean, you missed a lot with uh, COVID. Obviously, Oklahoma's game against West Virginia was canceled. It was the second time that game has been has been postponed or canceled. Texas and Kansas has been canceled. So Baylor announced yesterday afternoon slash evening that they were going to close their football facility due to COVID cases. There was a report from Craig Smoke out of Waco that three of Baylor's five offensive coaches were out with COVID. And Colby, it looked like yesterday this game was not going to happen, but just within the last couple hours before taping this podcast, a new kick time has been announced. OSU Baylor will now be at 2.30. It was originally scheduled for 6 o'clock, so the game appears as of taping of this podcast, the game is on. So that, that, that of course, can change when OSU decides to, to travel and get to Waco, and obviously things could get worse in Waco with Baylor. But, Colby, at first it looked like we weren't going to have any Big 12 football this weekend, but OSU and Baylor looks like they're going to try to play. Yeah, this morning I was actually driving back in at about – 645 back to my house and I, I was listening to uh, Todd Lizenby and John Hamm on the franchise kind of break down everything that's happened with COVID and college football this week especially the Big 12 OU West Virginia um, looked like Texas got shut down Texas Tech had some problems they were going through Baylor shut down the facility so if this game does get played uh, I think Oklahoma State fans will be very fortunate to get to watch the Cowboys one last time and uh, I, I would like it to get played for a couple reasons one you would not want that game against TCU to be your last game of the season. You, you get five turnovers, you lose the game. Tylen gets hurt. You know, Spencer has just kind of an okay game. Um, you know, coaching, everybody kind of walked away with a bitter taste in their mouth. You don't want that to be the last thing you see before you go into the offseason. So that's one reason that I hope the game gets played. And then for a very selfish reason, prior to the season, I bet the over seven uh, win total for Oklahoma State football. So I need a win tomorrow for a push to get my money back. So go Pokes. Yeah, you have a vested interest in this. I. The only reason I think they're playing this game, Colby, is obviously money. I think it came out, I think Bob Bowlesby reported that they make about $7 million per game. So that's that's obviously not nothing. Certainly in a pandemic, that's you need all the dollars and cents you can get as a, as a conference. But man, does... Does Baylor have anything to play for with with two wins? Does OSU want to play this game? Does Mike Gundy want to play this game, considering how depleted his team is? He keeps harping on that. I mean, we don't know who's going to play for OSU with with Chuba Hubbard being out, Tylen Wallace has been out, Rodarius Williams may be out, Trey Sterling. You know, that's that's the best players on the entire OSU roster right there. Um, I know you don't want TCU to be the last game, but I think if they canceled this, I think Mike Gundy might just say, you know what, let's get on, let's get on down the road. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good, good point. It's obviously been a rough season. It's not been what Oklahoma State wanted it to be. There have been a lot of injuries throughout. There have been some, some big mistakes made throughout the way by players and coaches in, in game. And 
Uh, we've seen that kind of rear its ugly head with Oklahoma State. Obviously, Oklahoma was just a better team, and that's kind of the one that uh, it obviously stings to lose to OU every year, but that one you, you get a little bit more. You kind of feel like you threw away Texas, and you kind of feel like you threw away TCU. So I, I don't know. It's tomorrow's – I'm caught between it being a chance for redemption and maybe feeling good about yourself going into the offseason, or it could go totally the other way. And, I mean, we could see a team come out about as flat as the one we saw for the final three quarters in Fort Worth last week. And, and then you might be even feeling worse going into the offseason if you were to lose to a two-win Baylor team, a, a Baylor team that you've struggled to beat, really, over the last nearly decade um, for Oklahoma State. So, I, I don't know. I'm torn. Obviously, I would love the game to be played. But if it's not played, we'll certainly be kind of sitting in limbo as we head into the offseason. Yeah, and I, I just wonder how many bowl games we're going to see, too, with – all the last games, you know, it's really is remarkable. The Big 12 was scheduled until this week happened. They were going to play every game on the schedule that was first released, you know, when they came out with the schedule. That's how good the Big 12 had done with COVID. And obviously now they're having issues like the other conferences are. So it's, it's a disappointing finish. And I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on bowl season. Obviously, there's a lot of money to be made with TV revenue. And that's why they play these games, obviously, is money. I just – I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how many bowl games are actually played this season. Yeah, I would be surprised if – look, you got the New Year's Six, you've got the college football playoff. Obviously, the college football playoff, I think, is going to be played. I think they'll do anything that they have to do to play the college football playoff. Too much money on the line not to. And also, you know, those games mean something. So the kids who are in those games have something to play for. As far as the rest of the bowl games, boy, that's – that's a huge risk. I've been on the I've been on you know the train for a while now that um, bowl games should be played by all of the guys who are not going to the NFL. You know there are a lot of guys in college football who know that they're not going to play at the next level who are playing for the love of the game. They love college football and that's one last chance to suit up with their teammates. And I respect that like crazy. That that's awesome. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I think that those kids should play in bowl games. But if you're going to the NFL. You know, college football is the only sport that puts its exhibition games at the end of the season. I mean, Thunder preseason starts today. That's exhibition games. Every other sport has exhibition games before the season so, so that guys can get ready. Well, college football puts its exhibition games at the end of the season, and it, it just is kind of this outdated model whenever there's so much money on the line for so many players. So, And especially right now, everything going on with COVID – I think a lot of players will choose not to take the risks. I think a lot of schools will then end up choosing not to take the risks. And I think we'll see the college football playoff. And then I'd put the over under at total number of other bowl games that we see played in college football at, man, how many are there normally? 50. So this year I'd put the over under at 10 maybe. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And again, bowl trips are a reward for the players and fans to go on a trip. I mean, during COVID, that obviously is much less appealing. That obviously is much less advised to go travel yeah. and and all of that. So I, I don't. That's mainly what it's for: is fans and players and the team to to travel. And I just, I'm with you. I would I'd be stunned if if they played more than that, especially some of those lower tier bowls that are that that probably don't make a, a whole lot of money as it is. Now I, I want to get to uh, Tyler Wallace and uh, the Blitnikoff Award, and then five things you know you need to, you need to know about the OSU Baylor game. But I, I did want to get your take too, since we're talking kind of college football as a whole. Where do you stand on the, the Ohio State debate? Obviously, their game against Michigan has been canceled, much like Oklahoma and West Virginia. 
they're still sitting there in the college football playoff as it stands today. How do you feel about the Big Ten changing the rule to get them in the Big Ten title game and the fact that they're probably going to go to the playoff despite playing, what, five games? Yeah, I, I don't like the fact that the Big Ten changed the rule. That's what I don't like. Don't, don't change the rule midway through because now you need to get Ohio State into the championship game. I think the Big Ten should have held solid with the rule. As far as Ohio State getting into the college football playoff, look, the committee's job is to determine the best four teams, and there is no minimum number of games played to get a team in. I, I get the idea that, you know, some teams played a full season, some teams didn't. But in my opinion, I, I just cannot be convinced that Ohio State's not one of the four best teams in the country. So I do have a problem with the Big Ten changing the rules because now you've let all these other schools play under one pretense the entire season. Now you've changed it for Ohio State. That I have a problem with. I wouldn't have a problem with the college football playoff committee putting them in, even with only a five-game resume, because that, that was not a rule that the college football playoff had, that there had to be a minimum number of games. And I am 100% sure that Ohio State's one of the four best teams in the country. How do you know that? How are you 100% sure that Ohio State's one of the best? Well, for a few reasons, and I know a lot of people are going to have a problem with one of these reasons. One, uh, Ohio State has better players than everybody in the country except Alabama and Clemson. Um, we saw last year what Ohio State was capable of in the college football playoff. We know how good Justin Fields is. He's the second best quarterback in the country. Um, Ohio State has dominated everyone they've stepped on the field with this season in those five games. To me, it is much more impressive to go out and just stomp people five times than it is to go out and play 10 games and lose two of them, win eight of them. About two of those eight wins are close. Some of them aren't. I, I just – a 5-0 and Ohio State team to me that's dominated everyone they've played is much, much, much more impressive than either an 8-2 and Oklahoma or Iowa State. How do you know Ohio State has better players? A uh, lot of reasons. We know that every year Ohio is State – Is it because of the helmet guys. they're wearing? Uh, no, I mean, every year Ohio State puts more guys in the NFL. They're bigger, faster, stronger than everybody they play against. And, uh, I mean – Look, five games is not a huge sample size, but I just don't feel like we have a huge sample size on a lot of teams. We, we didn't get to see the normal non-conference that we usually get where we get a couple of good matchups, not a ton, but we get a few and we get a better feel. I just, I, I mean, I watch Ohio State. That's NFL talent all over the field. They're so fast. They're so big. Justin Fields is so good. Ryan Day is a phenomenal coach. And, and if they get in, they would have a chance to win a national championship. OU and Iowa State would not. I, I just and, – and, again, I understand a lot of people are going to have a problem with them only <laughs> playing five games, but I don't think that's Ohio State's fault that they only played five games. You can punish them for them if you want to. Um, I just personally wouldn't. I disagree on both fronts. Would you like me to explain? <clears throat> yeah, I kind of figured you might. I, I honestly think I'm in the minority here. Well, first, let's get to the, the talent disparity you, you think Ohio State has the best talent in the country at least certainly top four and that certainly history would tell us that's true however over the last two NFL drafts they've had 19 players drafted are the next guys in line as good as Chase Young Jeff Okuda J.K. Dobbins we have no idea Nick Bosa uh, Terry McLaurin they're the next in line but Recruiting is not an exact science. These guys might not be as NFL caliber of players, and they have not proven. We have, we have no idea 
if Ohio State this year is anywhere close to what they were last year. And let's look at their schedule. They've beaten one team with a pulse, Indiana, and they won by seven. The, the other wins, Nebraska, barely a football program, losing record. Penn State, worst season they've ever had in the last 25 years, losing record. Rutgers, it's Rutgers. Michigan State, one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, losing record. Those are their wins. They've done nothing to prove they are a top four team. I don't want to hear about, well, they have talent. Well, we, I'm, they certainly have talent, but I always lean to, and this is where I differ than you, Colby. I, I know they're, they're charged with picking the best team, and I get that. But you all also have to pick a team that's deserving that has proven they're good. Ohio State hasn't had the chance to prove it. But if they want to get mad at somebody, get mad at their own conference. We all said at the time when the Big Ten made their schedule, they were waiting too late. They had built in no time to make up games. And this is they painted themselves into a corner. So Ohio State can, can get upset at the Big Ten and they can sit at home as far as I'm concerned. But, but this is the biggest problem I have with the college football playoff. We're just picking helmet logos. There, there is no resume at all for Ohio State other than the fact they have Ohio State on, list, listed on their jerseys and helmets. That's what goes all over me with the college football playoff. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't think they should be in. And if they want to get mad, they can get mad at the Big Ten. Yeah, no, I get that. I just – first of all, I don't think that it would be new for them to just pick helmet logos this year. I think the college football playoff committee has been very clear about what the criteria is to get into the playoff. Yeah. And a big criteria is that helmet logo. And, I mean, I would even go as far as to say that the Big Ten knew going into the season – that Ohio State would only have to play a handful of games to get in because they're Ohio State. Now, I, I totally understand having a problem with that. And, and again, they're going to end up being 6-0 and because they're going to end up being, being able to beat Northwestern next Saturday in the Big Ten championship game. And that's the problem I have because a rule was changed in the Big Ten to allow that to happen. But Ohio State does have that win against Indiana. Let's say OU does beat Iowa State next weekend. That would finish OU as at 8-2. and two. So the one missed regular season game against West Virginia, eight and two with a Big 12 championship. Does OU at that point have a better win than the Indiana win that Ohio State has? Yeah, because I mean, Iowa State's seventh in the college football playoff right now. If they lose to Oklahoma next week, who will end up finishing higher, Iowa State or Indiana? I think they'll be mm. really comparable. That's a good point. That's a good point. And look, the Big Ten stinks. I mean, Northwestern, are you kidding me? They've beaten nobody as well, and they're going to be in the Big Ten title game. So Yeah. Uh, I guess they beat Wisconsin. Good job, Northwestern. Fighting Reese Davis. Wisconsin good, though? I don't – yeah, I don't know that Wisconsin's yeah, good. Yeah, we don't know anything about the Big Ten because they don't play any games. So, anyway, that's our Big Ten talk for the week and the college football playoff talk for the week. I thought this was interesting, Colby. You know, Tylen Wallace, his last play in OSU uniform might be that touchdown catch he had against TCU. We, we're still waiting word on his status, but – the Blitnikoff Award has put out a fan vote online and Tylen is running away with it, which frankly stuns me. I didn't think OSU had the, the, the quote unquote, you know, nationwide fan base. And he's number one uh, with 38% of the vote. The next highest guy is Ty Freifogle from Indiana with 19%. And uh, the guy I kind of thought would be leading is Devonte Smith from Alabama. He only has 2%. And, Colby, his numbers are, are frankly off the charts. He's got like 1,500 yards and 15 touchdown catches, which dwarfs Tylen's numbers. But uh, at least Tylen's got the, got the fan vote going for him. 
Yeah, it's it's weird. I thought the same thing about Devontae Smith. The dude's been an absolute beast, and the numbers speak for themselves. Is this – I mean, do we need to shout out the Oklahoma State fan base here? Is this just sure. the Oklahoma State fan base making a social media push and just really dominating all other fan bases in terms of going to bat for their guy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's impressive. Kudos. That's impressive for him to be out in front by as much as he is. Yeah, now, while it's it's encouraging he has the fan vote, uh, according to the Blitnikoff Award, the National Selection Committee consists of 630 journalists, commentators, broadcasters, and former players. So the, the fan vote is of no factor here. So I, right. I got to think uh, Devontae Smith will probably win it from Alabama. Although it's interesting, uh, Kyle Pitts from Florida, you know, I always thought, you know, the Blitnikoff was strictly a wide receiver award. It, it goes to any eligible pass catcher. So you could even the, the big tight end who's having an unbelievable year for Florida could even be considered as well, but he'll probably take home the Mackey, but, but at least Tylen's getting some credit where credit's due it, The offense has had a brutal season. It's a testament to him. They've even, you know, won six games really with the way their offense has played. So I'm, I was glad to see Tylen get some love there. Yeah, he needs some. It was two years ago. I think he was robbed last year. I think he would have won it had he not gotten injured. And then this year, obviously everything has just not gone according to plan. He's battled a couple of little small injuries throughout this season. The Oklahoma State offense has not been what it was supposed to be. I would love to see him get one. I, I just don't think he's going to – he just doesn't have the numbers this year, unfortunately, yeah. especially if he doesn't play tomorrow against Baylor to add to those. And, and I don't think that he will, um, especially after suffering the torn ACL last year. It, it seems like a huge risk for somebody like that with the amount of money that he could potentially be set to make uh, in just a few months being a top few rounds pick in the NFL draft. But – I mean, Oklahoma State fans love Tylen Wallace, and for good reason. He's been uh, phenomenal to watch during his time at Oklahoma State. Yeah, and he and his brother, they posted a picture of them in their uh, their cap and gowns graduating. Obviously, an awesome accomplishment for them. And I'm encouraged just in terms of his long-term health, Cole, because I, I watched a bit of the uh, the latest Our Time episode, and they showed Tylen walking to the bus, and he just had an ice pack on it and was walking with no crutches or anything and didn't seem – you know, totally distraught, which we, you, you certainly would think would be the case if uh, if he had suffered another severe injury. So hopefully he can get healthy and go to the combine and, and tear it up. And I, I'm with you. I, I would not play in this game if I was him. He has too much on the line. He's he's done everything in his power this season, and uh, he got nicked up pretty good there against TCU. So I do not think we yeah, would see that one. It was just kind of an awkward landing in the end zone. It didn't look crazy, um, but he just kind of came down on that knee and it was like being dragged down as he made the catch. But, man, I'm watching this uh, video that Brian Keating posted on, what would that have been, Wednesday, some some Thailand oh, yeah. highlights that he cut for the uh, for the pregame show on Saturday. And, man, this is – Thailand's built different, Carson. There, there aren't too many like him. No, he, he's one of the most it's – it's really mind-bending what he does on a football field at his size. I mean, he, you know, James Washington was this way too, where he would high point footballs and just played bigger than he than he is. And Tywin is a lot like Dez, I guess, in that aspect, because Dez was only six one, but gosh, he looked like he was six five. The way he could high point a football and, and go over the top of the DBs, and Tywin's just he has all the tools, man. The, I love how uh, Keating put the the blocking highlight against that hapless Iowa State defensive yes. back that was talking so much smack. And you know, Tywin's a great blocker too. We never talk about that. Obviously, the the circus catches are the first thing you think about, and that obviously that stiff arm run and his running after the catch ability. But man, he's a good blocker too, and I think that'll help him on tape with uh, 
you know, NFL scouts as well. So I, I'm really encouraged about his draft stock. You know, at first I wasn't seeing him on very many, you know, overall draft boards, but I think he's, he's trending more towards the second and third rounds, I would think, come NFL draft time. Yeah, I would think so too. And one thing about Tylen, we've seen it over the years. Earlier in his career, he even a couple times had some reviews for targeting and stuff on some crackback blocks. Tylen, yeah. he's not afraid of contact. He actually, a lot of times, he goes and seeks it out. And I, I rewinded this too. If you go to Brian Keating's Twitter, it's about like the 37 second mark where he flattens this Iowa State DB like he's a pancake. Yeah. And it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. So that'll definitely help him with the NFL guys because he's not afraid to get out there and hit somebody. Nope. I hope he, uh, I hope he has a good combine as well. Cause that, that can really help his stock as well. Cause those guys want to see him up close and personal. Okay. Uh, let's get to five also, things. Real quick, real okay. quick before we move on from Thailand, I hope he goes to a good team with a good coach and a good quarterback. Cause we know circumstance in the NFL can dictate a lot. Um, so hopefully he goes somewhere where even if he's, you know, a number three receiver, his first couple of years in the league, he's in a good offense with a quarterback who can actually get him the ball. Kind of like James Washington going to the Steelers, right? You know, good yeah. organization, good quarterback, good offense. And he, he obviously is producing. He had a touchdown catch uh, last last game out. So, yeah, I'm with you. I would love to see him go to the Chiefs, which that to oh, me is like right. the number one scenario. You go into the best offense in the NFL. And let's face it, like the Chiefs offense is unbelievable. But besides Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, they've been searching for another option. Obviously, they've paid Sammy Watkins a bunch of money, but he's always hurt. You know, Robinson and, and Hardman are more kind of gadget type receivers. I think he could be awesome next to uh, Tyreek in, in Kansas City. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. Count me all the way in on watching Thailand in Kansas City. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Kyle Cox wrote a really good article on, on Pistols Firing. Go check it out. It's called Five Things You Need to Know About Oklahoma State and Baylor. Number one, we've already touched on how there might not be a game. We're still going to have to wait and see if they play. But as of now, the game has moved to 230. Uh, number two, this was kind of surprising. You kind of touched on it a little bit about OSU struggling against Baylor. They have they are 20 and 18 all time against Baylor, but worse as of late. Uh, OSU is two and six against Baylor over the last eight years, and one and three against Baylor since Bryles was was ousted, which is surprising. So uh, they haven't won they haven't won in Waco since 2009. Obviously, you don't play there every year; you rotate, but. They haven't won in this stadium that was built. Uh, it, last time they won in Waco was at Floyd Casey Stadium. Now they're playing in McLean Stadium. Yeah, I, this is five things you need to know about Oklahoma State and Baylor. I'm going to chalk this up as one thing that I did not need to know on this Friday, that Oklahoma State's two and six <laughs> over the last eight years against Baylor. I'll tell you what, that is a, uh, a really bitter taste on a Friday. And I, I guess – you know, we kind of know it, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, they, they have struggled against Baylor now that you mention it. But to actually see it in front of you, two and six, and, you know, some people say, well, Art Bryles had some really good teams down there. I mean, they're one and three since Bryles left. And, and the only team they beat went one and 11. It was that one and 11 team at, at Baylor that lost to like Liberty and UTSA. So, I, I mean, I don't really even know how to account for the struggles against Baylor. It's like you beat Texas every year for a decade and you can't beat the Baylor Bears. It's 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 bizarro world. Well, and that's why I think, you know, and Brian Keating, speaking of Brian, also had a really good thread on on Gundy and how it's not just losing Bedlam while why fans are are upset. Here's the last three years for Oklahoma State against the Big 12. Oklahoma 0 and 3, Baylor 0 and 2, Texas 1 and 2, Tech 1 and 2, TCU 1 and 2, Iowa State 2 and 1, K-State 2 and 1, West Virginia 3 and 0, Kansas 3 and 0. 
So not only is he losing to Baylor and Tech, who have had coaching changes, that's that's probably the most discouraging part. Obviously, you're losing to those teams you usually beat, and they've gone through coaching upheaval, which is really when you're they're apt to get beat is when they're going through coaching change and, and a philosophy change. So, yeah, I mean, this is when we talk about Mike Gundy's past three seasons and underachieving, like case in point, just look at the Baylor game, uh, Baylor and Texas Tech. I mean, to, to beat Tech one out of three years is not something we're used to seeing after they went like nine and zero against Tech for that long period of time. Yeah, I mean, what you just rattled off, there's nine other teams in the Big 12 and Oklahoma State over the last three years has a losing record against five of the nine. And I, I mean, so, so are we then saying at that point that Oklahoma State's not one of the top five? programs in the big 12 over the last three years i mean that's that's what you just read off to me i i don't know that's boy that's tough that's real yeah. tough yeah and they haven't played for a big 12 championship since they started it which you know gundy made a good point he's like all those teams you listed haven't been as consistent as we have which is true and they would have been in the title game had they had it for you know five to seven years when they were always playing ou for the de facto big 12 championship but now it's, it kind of shows you where osu is um, this kind of touches on as well. Number three, OSU is breaking even in the Big 12. They're 13 and 13 in conference games. Uh, the three years before that, from 2015 to 2017, the Pokes were 20 and seven against Big 12 teams. That's a huge, huge drop off, Colby. Yeah, it's a major drop off. And uh, again, so you get through the Mason Rudolph era, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about the last three years. That is the Corndog uh, era. Last season, obviously, was. Spencer and um, gosh, who started at quarterback those last few games? Why did my brain just go dead? Drew Brown. Yeah, long week. Drew Brown. Yeah, the Hawaii transfer uh, comes in and, and plays a little bit, and then Spencer this year. And and let's be honest, Oklahoma State's kind of still searching. I, I think we're all still a little bit hopeful that maybe Spencer can turn into that guy and cut out some of the mistakes with more experience. Maybe Shane can be that guy, but you know, it was it was Robinson, then it was Whedon. Chelf did some good things. Uh, and then the Rudolph era, and, and now Oklahoma State's kind of searching. Uh, I mean, unless you're a team that just puts together NFL athletes all over the field at every position, you have to be great at quarterback in order to win at the level Oklahoma State was winning for a while. And the last three seasons, Oklahoma State has just been very average at quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's <laughs> – that's what's going to be hard about spring ball, Colby, is you're not going to know who your quarterback is. It's going to be an open competition between Sanders and Illingworth. And you have to install your offense with two polar opposite quarterbacks. Obviously, Illingworth is the traditional pocket passer, tall, not mobile at all. Sanders is the exact opposite. That's where I think they've kind of, you know, run into a huge issue here with their offense because obviously they were hurt this year not having a full spring, not having a spring game. We understand all that. But even when they get it, Colby, they're not going to know what they want to do on offense until they know who the quarterback is. So they're really going to have an abbreviated, you know, fall camp to install their offense once they pick a quarterback. It's just to me that the offense is in just a total quagmire. Yeah, it is. And uh, my personal opinion is that those two guys may not be in a quarterback competition because they may not both be on campus. But obviously, that's pure speculation. And that's just me guessing, but we, we will certainly see how it plays out in the off season, because if they are both still there, then the, the coaching staff definitely has its work cut out for it. And I, and I don't know what the, the right answer is because Illingworth obviously is young. We saw good and bad this year. Spencer has two years under his belt. We've seen good and bad from Spencer. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. 
I forgot to follow up with you on that last podcast. You you said you were pretty adamant you thought Sanders would transfer. Can you expand on that, please? Yeah, absolutely I can. I, I think that throughout this season, it's been pretty obvious, no more so than in the Bedlam game, that Oklahoma State is not 100% in on Spencer Sanders. I also think that Spencer can can look in the mirror and he can realize that it has not been as good as it probably uh, could have been. He has not been as good as maybe he could have been. And, and I think that Spencer is at a crossroads right now in this offseason in his college football career where he's got two options. He either comes back, he, he gets after it, and he tries to win the quarterback competition at Oklahoma State, and then he hopes that he can hold on to it throughout the entire season, or he, he goes somewhere else and looks for a fresh start because it just hasn't gone his way. And if he sees his, his kind of fail-safe in Tylen Wallace heading out, the offensive line obviously has had some struggles. I, I just think, to me, the Bedlam game was so, so tough for a guy like Spencer because that sent a message that the, the coach is looking for a reason to find somebody who can do it better. And I get it because Spencer's made a lot of mistakes, but, but then he's got a decision to make. So, um, and, and again, that's me just pure speculation. I don't know Spencer Sanders. I haven't talked to Spencer Sanders. Um, he very well may show up in the spring, get after it, bust his ass, dominate the quarterback competition, and we may see a, a new guy next fall. I, I just wouldn't be shocked if he decided that it has not worked at Oklahoma State the way he wanted it to, and he wants a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly possible. And I, I think it's twofold. I'm, I'm with you. I think the coaching staff lost a lot of confidence in Spencer this year. I mean, the, the turnovers just have – that's the number one thing that, that gets you benched if you're a running back, if you fumble the football. I think when you start turning it over at the rate he has during his tenure, it's only natural for a coach to lose a little bit of confidence in you because those are just absolute killers. They, they just are. And I think they're infatuated with Illingworth's arm and – Look, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think a lot of it depends on how much Spencer loves Stillwater, and I think he does. I think he really likes being on campus there, uh, likes his teammates, obviously. But the place I've always kind of circled is SMU. You know, he's from the Dallas area. Shane Bouchelle is a senior. There's only – there's two freshmen on the – or two sophomores on the roster behind him and a freshman. I don't know how, how highly touted those guys were behind him, but he would obviously be – you know, have much more playing experience at, you know, the Power 5 level. So I – that would make a lot of sense to me if I was Spencer Sanders and I was just fed up with the, the, and let's face it, I think Sanders has every right to be fed up with the offense. As I've been harping on, OSU runs 12 personnel with, with tight ends all jam-packed in there and, and bunch formations to where everything's kind of jumbled. I've been just pleading for them to go to full air raid, go to spread offense. That's something I think would help Spencer. It's what he used in high school helps you see the field with spread it out, you know, easier reads. Like I, I think they've put him in terrible terrible positions to succeed so I think he has a right to have a gripe as well and maybe that's the maybe that's kind of what you're speaking to Colby maybe maybe it's just a mutual parting of ways between those two and again I'm just speculating as well I've not heard that Spencer's looking to transfer but but I'm with you I think I think they like Illingworth and and who knows maybe maybe Sanders thinks the grass is greener elsewhere yeah I mean it's really it, it really would be nothing more than a fresh start I don't think I wouldn't hold any ill will towards Spencer Sanders I I'm not, you know, mad at him for how he's played at Oklahoma State. I think he's a phenomenal young man. Every time he's spoken, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's clearly very competitive. He wants to win. It just – it hasn't worked. And part of that's been on him for some mistakes. I think part of that's been on the coaching staff for not putting the offense in the best position to be successful. 
So if he wants to come back and wants to make it work, good on him. Seriously, good on him. And if he decides that he wants a fresh start, that's okay too. I mean, he's a he's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old college quarterback trying to make it work because obviously whenever he came out of high school, he had high expectations for himself and what he was going to accomplish, and, and it just hasn't gone according to plan yet. So um, he, he definitely will have decisions to make in the next probably six weeks that will impact his future. So he, he'll do some long, hard thinking, and we'll, we'll see what he comes up with. Yep, no doubt. A lot of questions moving into the offseason. Uh, one thing, number four from, from Kyle Cox's story on Pistols Fire, and again, this is five things you need to know, and really good read. Go check it out. Uh, the Cowboys' secondary is among the best in the country. According to Pro Football Focus uh, College Twitter account, they list the top ten secondaries in college football. Alabama is one. Cincinnati is two. Oklahoma State is three. And I think that further illustrates how good Rodarius Williams has been locking down one side of the field. And obviously Colby Harvell Peel and Trey Sterling, one of the best safety duos in the entire country. Yeah, Oklahoma State secondary has been pretty special to watch. I think Rodarius Williams, you know, he's on the senior bowl, combines coming up. I think the more NFL teams that see him and put his tape up, I, I think we're going to see Rodarius Williams potentially go um, I, I don't think he's a first-round guy, but I think he could be a second-round guy. And I kind of at this point, I'd be surprised if he got out of the third round. What do we see in the NFL? Kind of more what we see in college where offenses are starting to spread it out. They're starting to throw the ball more. You've got to have guys who can cover. You've got to have guys who can cover. And Rodarius Williams can clearly do that. So I think he's a guy that we could see go in the second or third round of the NFL draft and potentially walk in as a starter next year in the NFL, depending on what the situation is that he goes to. So it, it's been amazing the way that he has blossomed in his final season at Oklahoma State. You don't all, you, you rarely see guys make as big of a jump from junior year to senior year as we've seen with Rodarius. Um, and that's been awesome. And then, of course, the safeties. Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell, Peel have been great. I think Christian Holmes has been really good coming in as a transfer. Even Thomas Harper has been good coming in. Uh, and some injury relief. I think Tanner McAllister has been pretty good. Obviously, when, you, when your main guys go down with injury, uh, it's tough, but those guys have done a good job when they've been called upon. So Oklahoma State secondary has been a lot of fun this year. Yeah, they've been lights out. And on the other end, I think if you know you, you obviously have a vested interest in OSU against Baylor. This this is a good stat for you. Bears back in comes in ranked 80th out of 127 teams, and their safety group ranks 112 in coverage. Uh, so that that could be a potential spot for for Sanders to get it rolling through the through the air. So that's. Uh, that's certainly encouraging. And, and one more thing I, I forgot to mention about SMU and, and Spencer Sanders. This Rashad Samples, who played at OSU or was at least on the roster, I don't remember him playing a whole lot. He's now a really up-and-coming assistant coach. SMU just gave him a contract extension as like the running backs coach. That's a natural tie-in to Stillwater. He knows how to get a hold of people there. So that's that's another tie, I guess, that would that would speak to my, my SMU scenario. So... But yeah, OSU secondary is locked is locked in. Uh, Baylor's defense found something that works as number five. Uh, what they did against Oklahoma was unbelievable. They held OU to 27 points, their lowest yards per play in five years at 4.6. I think they had less than 300 yards. So while Baylor's secondary doesn't grade out very high, according to Pro Football Focus, Colby, they they had the best performance against Oklahoma uh, all season. It really was impressive what Dave Aranda's done with that defense already. Yeah, I mean, I think Dave Aranda's a good coach. Obviously, he comes into Baylor, and there's not a ton to work with when he first gets there, but I'd say give Dave Aranda 
Uh, I'd say next season again to kind of start moving it the right direction. I think the year after fall of 2022, you know, if he's still there and he still has it rolling, I think we see a really good Baylor team. One thing that I, I think everybody took for granted on that LSU team last year. Yes. They had unbelievable talent. Joe Burrow, uh, obviously, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I, I could go on and on with the NFL guys they had. They also had Joe Brady running the offense, and they had Dave Aranda running the defense. They lost both their coordinators in the offseason, which is, you know, somewhat uh, played into their demise, which, by the way, shout out to them for self-imposing a one-year bowl ban the year <laughs> the bowls aren't going to be played. That, that was that classic. Was, that's one of those – yeah, that's just a brilliant most, bowl ban. the most band. SEC thing I've ever heard. Oh, uh, Dude, I, I mean, I saw the update whenever I was in Colorado this week. And I just, I had to laugh. I had to laugh out loud. They're in trouble. I mean, Ed Orgeron, I know he won the national title last year. I've never thought he was a good coach at all. It's clear they just had lightning in a bottle with Burrow. And he built a a ridiculous staff around him. I mean, they're already, the the bottom's already falling out on Ed Ed Orgeron. Yeah, it is. But anyway, I I got sidetracked with the LSU thing. Uh, I think Dave Rand is a good coach. I think he's a hungry coach. And I think if he's at Baylor for a few years, we're going to see Baylor uh, get back closer to what we saw a year ago with Matt Rule. Yep, no doubt. So uh, that leads us to our picks, Colby. Who are you picking, OSU-Baylor? Boy, man. I've been watching this line throughout the week. You and I have been kind of texting about it. Um, it was four and a half on Monday when we recorded. It got up to five and a half on Wednesday. It's now back to five. Oklahoma State is a five-point favorite at Baylor. And I fully do not expect Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, L.D. Brown, Rodarius Williams, Trey Sterling. I, I just I don't know that any of those guys are going to play. Again, I, I, I haven't talked to anybody at practice. I'm, I'm just trying to look in my little crystal ball here. And yet Oklahoma State's still a five-point favorite. I've been racking my brain all week, Carson. I, I don't know. I, uh, Oklahoma State has struggled against Baylor. I think Baylor is trying to go out on a high note, whereas I think Oklahoma State is just trying to get to the offseason. So give me, I guess, give me the Bears. I don't even know, 17-16. Ooh, low scoring, close game. Ugly. I, mean, I would call it ugly is what I'm anticipating. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to be uh, – points are going to be at a premium. I'm with you on the kind of the total. I don't see how there's any way – OSU wins this game. I have no clue how OSU is a five-point favorite in this game after watching the last, really, two, three games they've played, especially the TCU game. This offense is getting worse. It's getting less healthy. They've now lost Tylen Wallace, who I did not expect to play as well. And again, we've seen this offense without Tylen Wallace. When he goes out, they run out of ideas really fast. No Chuba Hubbard, no Tylen Wallace. Some of their best defensive players. Rodarius Williams, when he comes out of the game, it's a very similar type of reaction that we see when Tywin goes out of the game. As soon as Rodarius is out, they can't be as they can't pressure as much because they don't their coverage isn't going to be as good. And I just even if OSU was healthy, I think this would be a tough game. But I can't pick them with the way their offense is played. And now that they don't have Tywin Wallace, there's zero percent chance I can take OSU in this game. So I'm gonna go Baylor 21. OSU 10. I think it's going to be a double-digit win wow. for Baylor. I don't see how OSU even keeps it close with their offense. I I could not have been more impressed with Baylor's defense against Oklahoma, who their offense is light years better than OSU's right now. So I, I don't know. Now, we might be able to run this tape back, and I might have just jinxed 
myself to where OSU comes out and has their best offensive performance of the season. I'm dubious, but I, I think Baylor wins and they win comfortably. Yeah, you've got it even lower scoring than I do at 21 to 10. That, man, if either one of those things that we just predicted comes to fruition, that will be a, a bitter pill to taste on the way out the door. But like you said, the one guy I really don't expect to play is Tylen Wallace. And we've seen what this offense looks like minus Tylen Wallace. And it is not a pretty sight. So, yeah, I mean, I've got him scoring 16. You've got him scoring 10. And, I mean, Oklahoma State's just about been good for a defensive touchdown half the time this year. So, that basically Yeah, imagine this out. team without defensive touchdowns, which they've gotten, what, like in three games this year, four games? Um, I mean, the last two against Texas Tech and TCU, they've gotten one. Yeah, they got one against K-State. They got one against West Virginia. You name yeah. it. I mean, they, they've scored a lot of touchdowns, unlike their offense. So, I mean uh, – I don't know. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully they finish with a win. But uh, again, I'm, I'm dubious. Uh, one more thing before we get to the uniform preview. Uh, OSU basketball remains unbeaten. Once again, it was kind of a tight game against ORU. They got lit up a little bit from the three-point line. But we, we keep saying it, Colby. This team is so much more than just Cade Cunningham, who started slow against ORU and lit it up late, finishing with 29 points. But this tweet comes from OSU Stats and Information. In the last three games, Lineups featuring Bryce Williams and Rondell Walker are averaging 2.26 points per minute with a plus minus of plus 28 and have generated 13 steals. Rondell Walker is lightning in a bottle and Bryce Williams is proving to be their best player coming off the bench and might even be earning a starting spot before the season's over, Colby. I've been really impressed with those two. Yeah, Mike Boynton's even talked about a potential lineup change uh, at some point. I think Farron Flavors has been really underwhelming through five games. Obviously, everybody keeps talking about him being such a pure shooter. I, I'm still waiting for it. It's only five games in, so let's give him some time. One thing we did see the other night, we saw Cade have that game like you and I were talking about Monday, where he just kind of explodes a little bit and goes off for 29 points. Nine of 10 from the free throw line, which I thought was really important. But I told you last week, Carson, I think Rondell Walker's got some dog in him. That guy, I mean, he shows up and he is ready to go. If, if you want it, Rondell Walker wants all the smoke on the basketball court, which is just a ton of fun to watch. I will say, Oklahoma State's got to be better defensively. This is kind of turning into a trend. An 0-5 Oakland team came into Boone Pickens Stadium, shot in the mid-40s from three on like 30-something. Gallagher-Iba. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? You said Boone Pickens Stadium. You're, yeah. I you're got operating on no sleep. I get it. I got home at about 7 a.m. this morning. Gallagher-Iba is where they still play the basketball <laughs> games. And then Oral Roberts comes in. This is now a 1-3 and three Oral Roberts team. They come in and go 16 of 33 from deep. That's, that's not an accident that that's happened a couple times in a row now that bad basketball teams have come in and lit you up from beyond the arc. So if Oklahoma State wants to achieve what I think this team is capable of, you know, they scored 51 points in the second half the other night. I don't think offense is going to be a huge problem for this team, um, but they're going to have to play a little bit better defense, especially from beyond the arc, because that's how you keep inferior teams in games. You let them hit a bunch of threes because you're not out there uh, in their face, which is kind of the Mike Boynton identity. So this is two games in a row now. We've seen them get away from that. So I, I look forward to seeing them uh, get back to some shutdown defense here before too long. Yeah, it hasn't been flawless, obviously. They're, it's clear to, It's clear they're a brand-new team, and they're all young, and they're just kind of learning you know, the system, where they're supposed to be. It's, it's very much a work in progress. I think if you – you want to play this team now. You're not going to want to play this team, you know, two months from now once they've had some experience playing together because that'll be – I mean, with their length and athleticism, they're just going to be a, a chore to play against. And you mentioned Rondell Walker. There, there are dogs, and then there are junkyard dogs, and he is one of those. I mean, he is 
he's awesome. And, and teams are going to hate playing against him. He is just that guy that goes a million miles an hour, doesn't care if he fouls you, doesn't care what he does. He, he is plays with reckless abandon. And those guys were always annoying to play against. So he's going to yeah. be fun to watch. And I, I loved what Mike Boyden said too, after the game, he, he was like, guys, we'll, we'll figure out the offense, but we got to worry about defense. He's like, and he, he mentioned Iba and Sutton and how defense is what this program was built on. And he also mentioned a cool moment when I think it was Rondell Walker dove for a ball out of bounds. Like the crowd, it was like the loudest the crowd got. And he's like, these people recognize defense and they love that. And I, I think it's so encouraging because so many coaches, Colby, they'll come to a program and they've had success elsewhere and they don't feel like they need to buy into the culture, like the culture that was already there from years prior. They're like, I'm going to establish my own culture. It's been so fun to watch Mike Boyne know the history, embrace it, use it to his advantage with recruiting as well, and really just embrace being an Oklahoma State guy. I, I love that. Yeah, and, and kind of back to your point about still trying to make everything work, and this team's clearly very raw. It, it's like, you know, Christmas in a couple of weeks. It's like Christmas came early for Mike Boynton, and what did he get? He got a thousand-piece puzzle, and he dumped it out on his kitchen table, and he's trying to figure out how to put it all together and make it fit just right. It takes a little bit of time to piece that all together and and now this is a great puzzle he's got some good pieces here that he's got to make fit but uh you know i'll be curious we've seen the same same starting lineup all five games Cade, the boone twins isaac lies likely and fair and flavors he he did mention that that could maybe be uh potentially mixed up and then the guy i talked about on monday who i, I said was really raw but you can tell the talents there he, he put a nice game together uh the other night on wednesday and that was matthew alexander moncrief who had 15 points, five rebounds to go along with it on six of nine from the floor. Nice. Well done, young man. Yeah, no, he's he's got big-time potential, so it's good to see him uh, play better. You know, I'm, I'm operating on eight hours of sleep, so I have no excuse. I forgot Chris's university spirit off the top of the show. Let's get, oh, let's I get love to the, Chris's university spirit. Oh, uh, yes. Get your holiday shopping done. I did some holiday shopping today, and I'm – like the shipping's getting dicey. Like it's getting backed up, and then it's going to be close getting to Christmas. So get, get to chrisuniversityspirit.com. Do all your holiday shopping needs. Get some OSU gear for your family and friends. We think we appreciate Chris's. And without further ado, let's get to Chris's University Spirit Uniform Preview, where we pick the uniforms. It's the last regular season game of the year. They're on the road, Colby. I don't know how much you've had time to think about it while you were sleeping. I don't know if you were dreaming about OSU football uniforms, but I'll start it. I'll go with uh, all white with the white chrome, icy white Pete helmet with the giant Pete logo with the chrome face mask and in all white. They have worn this in Waco before, I believe back when Justice Hill was playing for them. So I'll, I'll go with that look because they they got to bust out the all whites before the season's over. So I'll go with those. Uh, yeah, the all whites, uh, that's probably the way to go. Just so that I don't completely copy your pick, I'm going to go, uh, let's go with a little road tricolor for the last game of the season. Ooh, I'm just going like to take a, a stab in the dark. Let's go with a road tricolor. Black, white, orange for the final game in Waco. Ooh, they, they wore that in Bedlam. I know, I know. Which helmet? I'm just I, honestly, I feel like you you've got something going with your all white. I just don't want to make the same prediction. If I were you, go with the uh, the Ed Hardy helmet with the barbed wire going down the middle with yeah, all the bedazzled, yeah, yeah. all okay. the. You know, I call it the Ed Hardy helmet because it looks like an Ed Hardy T-shirt. Because there's so much it, going on with it. Yeah, it's a busy helmet. Oh, it's, it's very busy and they haven't worn it in a long time. So I think they might bust that out too. So we'll, we'll mark that down as your helmet and that, that would make it different too than the, uh, the bedlam combo. So that's a good pick too. I, I think that would look pretty good. They wore that in the, uh, the Alamo bowl, I believe against, uh, 
against Colorado, they switched the face mask to orange to match the pants. We might see that as well. So yeah, I'm glad you again, said against Colorado because I was fixing to say I was fixing to say which time in the Alamo Bowl would that be? Not Arizona when Blackman like ran up and down the goal line before scoring. Uh, that was back before they did the uniform upgrades. Right. Okay, Colby. One interesting thing. Do you have one this week? I'm not sure if I do. I'm. <laughs> I forgot mine. Man, it's been uh, it's been a pretty flat week. Obviously, I've been gone. I've, I've been keeping up with some things on Twitter throughout the week. My one interesting thing is that there's not a lot of college football being played right now. We, we, we're kind of seeing, uh, you know, this virus and this pandemic really impact college football throughout the week. As, as I was trying to keep tabs on things, I just kept seeing cancellations throughout the Big 12, around the country, you know, cancellation after cancellation, which is unfortunate. It looks like college football, just by the, the skin of its teeth, is going to get a full season in. Um, but, yeah, it, it has not been great. And I'm just really fingers crossed that it does not impact college basketball season moving forward. Yeah, I think you're even starting to see some momentum for moving the college season back because, we're again, we're already seeing games push back already in college basketball. So I don't know, man. I mean, they, they just announced the uh, – the vaccine and all that. I'm, I'm we'll have to wait and see how, how quickly that all that all moves. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty dubious. And I guess my one interesting thing is the Oklahoma City Thunder have a preseason game tomorrow, and I'm curious to see how the NBA handles this because they're no longer going to be in a bubble. They're going to be traveling. I'm curious to see how COVID affects the NBA season, which again begins the 22nd, which is the shortest off season ever due to COVID. So. Uh, that's, that's one interesting thing. And Oh, one more before I go, I watched the, uh, there's a Garth Brooks documentary on Netflix. It came out in 2019. It's called the road I'm on. And anyone who's ever been to Willie's, I'm sure you have as well. Colby Willie's saloon on the strip. They have this sign there that says, you know, Garth Brooks played his first show here. And I remember looking at that sign when I was in college going, man, that would have been so cool to be in college then. Like, I can't imagine what that was like. Well, this documentary has the unreleased audio from those shows where he was playing at Willie's and they had photos of Garth playing those shows. He's wearing, he's rocking the Willie's saloon trucker hat in these photos. And it kind of, it pieced together everything I'd always kind of envisioned what that was like beautifully. I thought it was an awesome documentary. It's two parts. I think it's like two hour, two one hour parts. And look, I, we all kind of know Garth's story, but they just have some really cool stuff in there that I had never seen before. And it kind of pieced together my uh, what I thought it would be like to be at Willie's watching Garth play. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I saw you tweeting about that the other day. I'm going to have to watch that. That's That yeah, was it's, a it's golden awesome. era in Stillwater, if you will. Yeah, and it, it really hits on how special Stillwater is. Uh, you know, a bunch of people that were just friends and fans of his. You know, he, he built kind of a following there in Stillwater, playing at Tumbleweed and Willie's and everywhere else to where they, they pooled together like $500, $700 for him to go to Nashville and go have a meeting with, try and get a meeting with a record executive. Like, and he was just talking about how special Stillwater is a place to do that. People, some people he didn't even know, you know? And so it's, uh, Stillwater's a cool place, man. You know, obviously we're, it's a, we, we love it because we went to school there, but it's, it's unlike a lot of other college campuses. There's a really cool vibe there with the live music and uh, some cool history there with Garth. So I would encourage everyone to check that out. Absolutely. Garth was awesome. Stillwater's awesome. I, uh, I can't wait to get back whenever. Things are back to normal. Yep, I'm with you. Colby, I appreciate you being a trooper today. Uh, go get some sleep, and uh, we'll have to see if OSU gets a win against Baylor, and we'll, we'll talk next week. Yep, I need another nap. Looking forward to the game tomorrow. Go, folks. Yep, sleep well. We'll see you.